Hi there, and welcome to the new World Build podcast hosted by Alison and Nav and brought to you by World Architecture News, or WAN as we call it. tentatively looks forward to going about business post-pandemic, how will architecture and interior design respond? Today, we speak with Maggie Mullen, Principal at Maggie Mullen Architects, and Justin Lau, Project Director of the Oval Partnership, about what needs to happen and the changes and trends they are seeing and expect to see short-term and more longer-term in these sectors. And the WAN Awards and Win Awards are now open for entries. They recognise the outstanding works of innovative and visionary architects and designers worldwide. And as judges this year, Maggie and Justin tell us why entering is even more important given the current climate and just what they want to see in entries. To highlight the extraordinary architecture projects that are putting the needs of the planet first, we've launched four new categories to sit alongside our already broad and comprehensive list. We have also introduced a pro bono architecture category to champion projects with a humanitarian focus at their core. And with the global pandemic sending the world into lockdown, interior designers have continued to innovate and adapt. To reward these initiatives, we've launched the response to COVID-19 categories in the healthcare and hospitality sectors. Entries will be reviewed and judged by a top-level international jury. All the details you need can be found in the links in the description for this episode. Thank you very much for your time. I'd like to begin really by looking at how you feel the trends are moving in global architecture and interior design. I know we've spoken in the past, Justin, about hotel design and the trends that you're seeing within that in terms of perhaps bringing the outdoors inside now to a larger degree and also the great importance now that it's recognised in terms of good ventilation and perhaps giving people a chance to have their own input into their environment. So perhaps I could start with you, Justin, in terms of what you think you're going to see in the immediate future as we tentatively come out of a post-COVID world. Thanks, Alison. I'm very delighted to join the first podcast and happy Chinese New Year of the Ox. I think this is a fairly big question and I think I can only share with the angle that I, I'm seeing at this particular time. But I think the global challenges which really gives us the opportunity to develop new ways of communication to connect. I think on a positive note, we are much more carbon friendly because we travel a lot less. And I think the industry has rapidly changed in terms of how we respond to how we basically forming a face-to-face connection. I mean, not face-to-face, but trying to promote that in terms of that human engagement. I think we'll be seeing more and more changes in terms of how spaces are being used in terms of flexibility, such as office space. We are already now seeing a, a huge progression. People working from home, people come to meeting, they still need to meet, but there will be a real purpose to meet. And I think we will also be seeing our locals will thrive, such as our community. You'll have much better activities within your neighborhood because people actually demand that needs. But I think in the five years' time, people are starting to 
crave more about what do they want when they come out to see their friends. I think that kind of experience of going out,、uh, meeting in a public space, generally the the culture, the destination type of spaces and curated spaces are much more needed. And as I mentioned about hotels, for example, last time, it will be like a social condenser to aggregate culture. And international exchanges of ideas, curations, exhibitions, events—it's more and more becoming buildings as a real purpose of driving a good community. And Maggie, you've done a lot of work in community projects and community design. What do you think you're going to see in the immediate future, and then possibly five or even fifty years down the line? Hi, hi, Alison. Hi, Justin. Hi, Nav. It's really interesting what what Justin was saying about us becoming more locally focused. I've been very active in in my local community, in my sort of local geographical community. And you know, this is fundamental, really. COVID, Brexit, we've we've got the perfect storm. And I like to hold that, unlike the big economic crash. In two thousand and eight, that there is still a lot of money out there to be invested, in, and a lot of investors are holding back, and that's not just global; it's local as well. And they're looking at, as you rightly intimate, Alice, they're looking at where trends lie, and that investment obviously will fundamentally impact upon the high street, which I think will will have will take the biggest hit in terms of. Post-COVID fallout, and I think fortune will favour the brave. And even locally in Liverpool, we've seen lots of small properties, small retail properties, small restaurants being bought up by single entity, single companies who are looking, you know, who are looking obviously to capitalise on cheap property prices. So, so obviously leisure that will impact upon leisure, and obviously. You know, cinemas, as Justin touched upon, hotels, and, and and Liverpool in itself. So I think I'm hearing from both of you then that that localization is now recognised possibly as an important force. Everybody globally has been locked down in their homes. They've appreciated more the environment around them, the immediate environment, and that is where perhaps the the enthusiasm and the growth will happen more immediately. As well as obviously the global building sites, you know, will continue. But I'm wondering whether people will be in favour of such large open plan offices and indeed such tall structures in the future, given that the the transportation on a, a tall structure does involve small spaces in terms of lifts. So I think perhaps we've got two prongs happening here: a recognition of how important it is to be in a community that allows for entertainment and also supports a retail community.、Um, but again, a look perhaps at offices. How do you feel about that, Justin? We are designers. We very much rely on group meetings in terms of generating a good idea through sketchings, through basically interacting. I think that interactions is is a key. So we have been trying to use a lot of digital communication, such as Zoom, such as digital pens, and and I think that's that's sort of becoming more and more legible for us to experimenting with communications. But I think it's it is still vitally important to have a face-to-face, humanized interactions. So I think that will stay for a very, very long time until there's some sort of technology arrive to replace that human touch. So we feel that、um, that physical space will change, 
and such as more hot desks, uh, there'll be more and more in demand on that. And I think permanent spaces perhaps will be more flexible. That does some, something like a new trend to ensure that you know we have we have sufficient social distancing. But I think in the long run, I think I think that uh, with, with the increase of technology and betterment of meeting rooms. It's, uh, and also the way how we work, I think, will change. Mm. I think it'll be a mixture of, of digitalization, as you say, but also that the, the meeting will have more intention and more purpose now. In terms of, of your work, Maggie, do you feel that flexibility needs to be built into projects more now? Oh, absolutely. And, and just really echoing what Justin said, we are social, we are social animals, humans are social animals. And, and notwithstanding the fact that technology has bridged the gap in terms of communication, that catalytic effect of people coming together is absolutely necessary. And, the, and, and not just for us as designers, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And I certainly, I think in the past maybe five years with the rise of 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 sort of incubator or or hot desking or you know sort of much more flexible live work arrangements i think that i think there'll be a, there, there will be much more of an overlap and i've talked about retail i think people now you know that desperation to get back in contact that desperation not just within their own field to interact because we're all in silos now so we we've got to have the ability to you know, what makes us good designers is the fact that we experience life. So we experience what it's like to sit in a coffee shop. We experience what it's like to wait in a hotel. We experience what it's like to wait in a hospital. And that's what feeds our refined analytical processes. And that has gone. So in terms of us as a profession, we've got a bit of catching up to do. But secondly, the flexibility and also I think much more of an overlap between sectors than there were. So the ability to, you know, we've seen the sort of internet cafes, we've seen those breakout spaces, we've seen, I think there'll be much more of that happening across the board. And not least because Although there has been a, 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 and it may be a reactive flight from the large office developments, certainly you know in the in the global cities such as London and, and Manchester, that I, I think that's probably a reaction. I, there will have to be an adaptation of those spaces for other function, and there will be you know they'll be looking at those overlaps and those Venn diagrams that enable us one to be flexible, but two to introduce other functions into that mix that we wouldn't otherwise have brought together because this is a new landscape. We're in for a period of quite significant adjustment and adaptation and the implementation of flexible workspaces is what I'm hearing. So you're both judges in this year's Win and Wan Awards. Justin, to start off with, as a Win Awards judge, can you tell us why you think that award schemes are important? I think the award schemes really provide a space to share design innovation around the world. And I think particularly it is a common ground for the industry to share the current trend. And, and I think it is a place to inspire and nurture architectural imaginations for the humanity. And coming to you, Maggie, as a WAN judge, why do you think award schemes are important to global architecture? I think particularly in this landscape, from this insularization that we're now experienced because of, of COVID and, and not necessarily in a negative way, to be able to, to experience and celebrate excellence and also commonality across the globe, that gives us a sense of not being on our own. 
And I think that has been and will continue to be in, you know, the next three to five years, particularly while we readjust to this new landscape, that will become much, much more more intrinsic, much more value, particularly in terms of global architecture. And and, and that and people find great great deal of solace and also a widened sense of perspective and inspiration that will take them out of themselves in this very volatile, very insular landscape we currently find ourselves in. So as a practice, what do you think that architects and the wider practice can gain from entering awards? All the reasons. One, it's perspective. Two, it's the ability to engage on a global scale and be recognised on a global scale is, is a tremendous boost for practitioners, for practices, and also for their clients to take themselves and their sense of perspective out of their immediate context and the immediate problems that they're solving and see that there are, again, the commonality globally in terms of education, in terms of retail, in terms of leisure, in terms of preservation and, and reuse of, it, of, of historic fabric. We have got so much huge common ground globally and to see that and to celebrate. And I think that goes across the whole design team, including the client who will benefit from, you know, that sense that they are, they are practicing and they're being celebrated on a global scale. The awards celebration of, of design, architecture and placemaking. And, and it's wonderful to really see the, the range of diversity given some very challenging briefs to very challenging sites and people are able to provide a very interesting design to offer uplifting spaces for people to to inhabit. It it provides a window because competitions will never give you a full picture. It just gives you a glimpse of something that inspires you to see more, to discover. So I think think having, having this type of awards entries, it opens uh, a lot of uh, uh, kind of inspirations for people who might have some similar kind of spaces that needs to be developed. It gives them uh, a window to to, to reference and, and to develop further. So it's, a, it's an evolution of, uh, of design. And as a win judge this year, Justin, what are you looking for in entries? What are things that you would like to see? What don't you want to see in an entry? I think last time I spoke to Alison, I talked about music a lot and I like music. And I think, you know, a good entry for me is a really a great piece of wonderful music. It moves you and, and it elevates your emotions. So a good entry tells a good story. A good narrative. It has a rhythm. It has a coherent relationship. So, the the story and and the physical form, every note, they relate to each other, so that it creates a multi-layered, three-dimensional spaces that moves you. And is there anything you don't want to see in an entry? Not really. I think I believe each entry has its own personality to unfold the story of the space. So I think. There's, there's nothing I don't want to see or, or ancient ship should not do. But I think it's having set a very coherent narrative. It's a key to, to process that entry. And Maggie, coming to you as a WAN judge, what are you looking for in entries? What do you think makes a good entry? A good entry is one that really pushes the boundaries and demonstrates bravery, whether it's pushing the typology, whether it's exploring a new you know, structure materiality, but something that doesn't just take what's 
been developed and is existing and rehone it and, and refine it. And I think bravery, bravery, rigor and empathy and emotion. So those those connections, those sort of multi-layered approach that that responds to the site, that has an empathy with the site and the brief that takes that but pushes that boundary forward, either in terms of the typology, the program, materiality, demonstrates bravery, demonstrates rigor and harmony and balance. And are you interested in hearing more about the challenges that people have overcome as they've put their entries in? Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, that what we're seeing is the tip of the iceberg. What we're seeing is the distillation of this huge volume of analysis and negotiation and and bringing everything back together. So understanding, and, and I think for the practitioner's point of view, you know, when we do project reviews and we do case studies, the distillation of the key elements of of what we believe we've achieved in that project is an important milestone for moving forward and applying that rigor going forward, but also for other practitioners to see, ah, you know, what I'm seeing is not just the aesthetic development of a brief. And, you know, having come through the profession, you know, not just my gender, but, you know, sort of that that certain sectors I know are incredibly challenging. And when you see projects that, that have pushed the boundaries in those sectors, you think somebody somewhere has really worked incredibly hard and it's it's unsung so I would like to see a little bit more about, you know, probably more interested in how that architect or that team distills that analysis and shows, as Justin talked about narrative, shows the narrative of how that project's developed. Which goes back to Justin's lovely analogy of it being a musical, possibly, of telling the story from beginning to end and providing the root of how that building came to be. A fantastic entry or an extraordinary entry will really not only give you a photogenic environment, but also you can really feel the space. I know you're busy people, so I appreciate your time talking us through some of your thoughts. Very interesting to hear that we need brave entries that show the story, that show a rigorous approach, that have acknowledged the challenges and worked through them. And also, I think from the first part of the podcast, how spaces are going to adapt as populations need to adapt in answer to a pandemic. I look forward to seeing you both again at some point, possibly even in the flesh. How exciting would that be? Oh, that would be amazing. Amazing. (laughs) No, thank you. And it's great to see you again. And lovely to meet you, Justin. We welcome your feedback on the pod. So please aim all your comments at waneditorial at haymarket.com. These podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcasts. So register, download and join us.